0: Are you ready for this welcome to principles with Corey and logan i'm cory i'm logan and we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you welcome to the principles podcast Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm excited for you guys to get to know our guest today. Um, I guess it was a few weeks ago we had Drew Jackson on our podcast and Drew Drew is just a good friend of mine and that I've known for about four or five years now and every time we got into a conversation he would always talk about this Raj guy and this this Raj guy that had really just made an impact on him and how wise and just helpful and just Uh, how his heart is to serve and just how much of an impact he's made on him. And we did our podcast and afterwards we got to talk and he said, I've really got to introduce you to Raj. You just got to meet Raj. So I got to talk with Raj and I'm excited for you guys to get to know Raj today. So Raj, welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan.
1: Thank you very much, Corey. Thank you very much, Logan. It's my pleasure to be here, talk to your audience, share what I have.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, Raj, uh, I, I, you and I got to talk the other day, and you just have a, an incredible story uh, getting to where you are now. But you're you're doing some amazing things to help leaders all over the world. But can you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of kind of your history, but also what you're doing now, and anything you want to share um, about y- y- kind of where you're at? Yeah. So I'm going to start with one
1: point, and then going to my background a little bit. Yeah. Even today, I would say. America is still a land of opportunity. The reason I'm bringing that up is the last two years, a lot of people have gone into a negative mindset. And I want to go back and share the point because whatever the situation may be, there is always some positive side to it and a negative side to it. And that is one of the reasons why I came to this country. And after being in this country, so this February 24th will be my 33rd year in this country. I've been here for 33 years. So I lived most of my life in the US than in India. So I was born and raised in a small town called Hyderabad in India in the South Central part, got my basic education and everything else. And after getting my bachelor's degree in engineering, I came to the US. The number one is land of opportunity. And two main reasons. I don't know if a lot of people like to read books or not. If not, they need to read the autobiography of a great guy called Lee Icocca. He was a railroad conductor's son who rose to become the CEO for Ford and then turned around Chrysler in the 80s. The first time some private company negotiated with the government to get money. His book was published in 1983 or 84. I read the book and I said, oh my God, this is a country with a lot of opportunity. A railroad conductor can go back and do this. Anybody can do it. And that was my inspiration to come here. So I landed here with $1,724 in my pocket and a very big dream to explore the land of opportunity. So from there, I went back, got my master's in engineering. I got an MBA, a lot of other certifications and stuff. But the real big piece of it is every single day, there were so many opportunities that I could capitalize on. I worked for some small companies. I worked for some big companies. And a company like GE, I rose to the level of being a senior vice president in a GE division, one of the divisions. And then I started my own company. So the first 18 years of my life, I spent a lot of time building my foundation because at the end of the day, I can go back and start my own company and live my dream. Even for the first 18 years, I have no complaints. The land of opportunity was so much that I could go back, who had nothing in my life to raise to the level I wanted to raise in the corporate world. So last 14 years, I've been working for VRT Management Group. This is a company I founded March 1st, 2008. So our anniversary is coming up real soon. And since then, we have been helping small and medium. We only specialize in small and medium-sized companies because that is where my passion is. And that is where I see that I can add a lot of value. And I have worked with over right now, the latest count is around 135, 140. I don't have all the counts yet because every month, every year, we are going back and adding more customers. And we have been serving them in people transformation, process transformation, and strategy transformation. And there are companies which have been 500000 800000 which have grown to become $12 million, $15 million. We have taken a company which is $10 million and grown it to $160 million. So most of the companies work with us. So that is the reason why I started with the land of opportunity. And in since the pandemic hit, I would say since April of 2020, that is when it really became serious. I can show you at least 25 to 30 companies which have grown between 50 and 60%. And that's the reason why I said, yes, there is a lot of doom and gloom in the market, but for the entrepreneurs, if you have the right tools, if you have the right coaching, if you have the right skills and the right mindset, you still can make it. So that is my introduction before I give it back to you, Corey, and answer any questions.
0: I love that. I love what you said. I came here with seventeen or $1,724 <laughs> and a bachelor's degree. <laughs> And I came to a land of opportunity. I I, I love that. And let me ask you this. You kind of hinted at it and alluded to it. Do you still feel like this is the land of opportunity now too? Yes,
1: there is no doubt about it. And by the way, just to go back and help you, I worked with, I'll give you two examples, specific examples who were teachers, who were there, one is 29 years old and one is 32 years old. And they met me two years ago and they were making between thirty dollars and $40,000 as part-time. Sh- they had given me a specific name, like they fill-in for absenteeism and stuff, like temporary teachers, I guess. And today, I can comfortably say they are making six figures. Wow.
0: Two years. Yeah. And, and, and I, I 100% agree with you. That's something Logan and I have talked about a good bit. It's definitely, definitely opportunity. Yeah. I guess 2020. We Logan and I did a um, we did a men's retreat type thing, and there there were ten, to, well, I don't know, 14, 15 guys there. We were all going around and reflecting on the year, and every single one of them said, "This has been a from a you know business financial standpoint, how great of a year it was, and how many exactly. opportunities they had." So I, I was just kind of curious your 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 take on that and. Um, so uh, what I. If, uh... I can, I'll go back and add a couple of points for that. Yes. If you look
1: at all the people who are doing it, there are two things which I have seen as an overriding thing. They had the right mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And two, they were really working smart and hard. Just hard work is not enough. You need to be smart about it. But the mindset piece of it is very, very critical. So I just wanted to go back and share that piece of it. If there is a differentiation factor, because I get an opportunity to work with a lot of leaders from small business and entrepreneurs and owners as well. But those two things, I want people to pay real attention to. If they think that the business is not going the way and they're not accomplishing, first check what is between their ears, the mindset. And then are you working smart? Do you have the right system? Do you have the right mentors, coaches, training, whatever is required? Get that piece second, but without the mindset, one or the other missing, you can't accomplish
2: that. Raj, I would go as far to say we, we talked about this in early twenty twenty, right after COVID hit. Um, I, I'm heavily involved in the hotel industry, and then oh. also in the uh, in the uh, landscaping and plant industry, uh, and, and those two things were impacted in very very different ways. One the travel industry extremely negatively impacted, but then yes. the home improvement industry was a hockey stick straight up because people were reallocating those dollars to do home improvement. Uh, yes. So I was on both ends uh, of the extreme sides of the spectrum and something Corey and I said was that you said earlier, you said there's still opportunity. I would go so far as to say there's more opportunity because yes. what COVID did was it leveled the playing field. It took everybody back to square one and the smart, hardworking and creative folks had a chance on a level playing field, the people that learn, evolve and grow the fastest are the ones that are going to be ahead right now. Uh, And it's a hundred percent. Like you said, it's between the ears. It's what the, it's what the mindset is. It is a, is it a victim mentality or is it a, wow, there is so much opportunity now.
1: hundred percent Logan. I really, really appreciate you bringing it up. I agree with you. There is still, And like you said, a lot more opportunity than even in 2020. And I can see people going back and leveraging that, working hard, and making money on that.
2: And and I will say even in, uh, and you've probably seen this across your businesses as well, obviously there were some industries that were positively impacted. uh, uh, Logistics, uh, shipping, uh, Amazon, things like that, obviously went went up naturally. But what Corey and I talked about, even in the hotel business, now looking back, we are better positioned than we were at the end of 2019, which was a record year for the long term, not necessarily for the short term, but for the long term, because we viewed it as an opportunity uh, to acquire people. Mm -hmm. We knew other companies were going to be laying good people off. And if we could take care of our good people, now those people are going and recruiting on our behalf because we treated people the right way. And now we have almost weaponized our people that are on our team that are evangelists for this company is awesome, they took care of us during COVID and you should come work with us. So now there's this, uh, there's this uh, overflow of talent that's available out there and my team wants to go recruit and get those people on. So now we can build the infrastructure to support the growth. People stopped developing. So you sign new deals and now we have the opportunity to bring the people on to support that growth. And that's something we talked about in early 2020 when most people were were paralyzed with with fear. Uh, that's not something that was my idea. That was a great leadership from our CEO, um, but There are opportunities even in the industries that seemed like they would be crushed. People like Delta in the airlines industry, they, they take care of their customers. They're going to come out better long term on the other side.
1: Yes, 100% Logan. And I have seen exactly the same. In fact, I worked with several of my customers and we did. I'll give you one specific example just to build on what you were just talking about. So there was a customer of mine and they were worried about losing some of the business and everything else. So we strategized and thanks to some of the government help and getting some P P B money for them to get a breather, instead of taking the P P B and being conservative, we went back and recruited almost nine solid leaders for the business. And fast forward, business grew 70% in 21. And we are increasing at least by another 80 to 90% in 22. So you talk about that piece of it because we want that core people of leaders, the middle management of nine people, some of the best talent. Everything has been there. The foundation was laid. The teams were all ready to go. And come 2021, the business grew and 22 is going to be much more aggressive. So that is one example. And I agree with you 100%. Whoever has a visionary person or whoever is thinking creatively and have the right resources around them to work with, Again, coming back to say, basically, the thing be- between your ears, the head, mindset.
0: Raj, I want to go back to coming over to America. You got you, you got your bachelor's degree, and you got a little bit of a little bit of money in your pocket, right? So, how did you know where to like? Did you know anything about America, or done your research? Uh, where did you come to? Where did you land? So, just to go back. The only research was a few other Indian students who
1: came here because at that time there was no internet, nothing, because this was in 1989. So no internet, no mail. The telephone to talk for one minute from India to the U.S. costed us $1.58 per a minute. So it was very expensive. <laughs> but there was a few friends of mine from my city who came here and stuff. We only learned. But my criteria was very clear. It is the land of opportunity. So the only thing and the easy way for me to come was to go to a school, because that way you get a student visa to come here. And my criteria was what? Because I had very little money. Where is the cheapest place to live and the cheapest university available? (laughs) So we didn't see which is the best university or not. I said, I don't care, because they're going to give me the education I'm going to learn, but I want to afford it. And that's how I came and landed in Huntsville, Alabama. (laughs) That was one of the cheapest schools in the country. (laughs) So I had a few Indian friends who were living there. So I had some initial support to guide me and stuff like that. And then we had to go back and establish ourselves and create, start everything from scratch.
0: Yeah. You know, I I love that. You can just hear the hunger in your voice. I just... It's almost like if I could just get my foot in the door, I know I'll make it, right? I just need exactly. to get my foot in the door. And and I'm sure we, we actually talked the other day about some of the challenges that you faced. And, and I was just curious about some of those challenges that you faced. You're in a new country, a, a new culture, all that good stuff. And did, did you ever get down? Did you ever like, did I really make the right decision? Or or did you just say, no, I, I've got my foot in the door. I'm going to make a go at it. I was just curious your mindset at that point. Now,
1: I would be lying if I say I was not down, but I was thankful to some of the mentors who were there because one of the things what happened was I had an oral confirmation from a professor saying that there would be some assistantships that would help me to finish my master's. But when I landed there, the professor got a great opportunity to a university in Florida. And these were all research scholars. So the professor lives, the research funds go with the professor. It is not university that gets the professor's game. So when I landed here, the great news for me was within a week that all the assistantship and this research money is gone, so I don't have anything to do. So I was very, very disappointed because I'm in a new place and I really didn't know what to think about it also. And I spoke to a few people and unfortunately, they were not the right people with the right mindset. So it was much more depressing than the reality was. (laughs) And that was the time I did have the thought process. And when I spoke to my dad a couple of times and he said, hey, I will figure out the money. If you want to come back, I will send you the money for a ticket. You can come back. But thanks to that, I said, you know what? Let me go back and try one more time. Let me go back and look at it one more time. And that is where I went and focused and tried. So one example I'll give you is I worked in a Mexican restaurant. and. I was working as a dishwasher. And it was just $2.54 per hour. (laughs) And just to give you a background, I really didn't even know how to clean my plates because in India, you're growing up, you never clean your plate, your mom takes care of it or somebody takes care of it. So this is one who I have grown all my life, never even taking my plate from the dining table and put it in the sink to started cleaning tables. But that was the opportunity. I said, you know what? This is a short-term thing. And when I talk about the mindset, that is what I said. Because initially, I could see I had a tough time with the English. I was grown up in the British English piece of it. And my accent from India was very different. And in the Southern, we have an American accent and a Southern accent. So it was double complicated. And I went back and looked at it from the mindset and said, hey, if I work in the restaurant, I'm meeting a lot of different people. So that will really help with my listening skills and with my vocabulary and my accent. So I looked at it from that positive mindset. Yes, I was hating the job. I'm not going to lie about it. But I really said, this is a learning opportunity for me. So within six to 12 months working there, I my language became very comfortable and I could have great conversation with people. And I think after my master's degree, that was a big asset for me to help me get a job. So there are two sides, half full versus half empty. And that is what I looked at it. I hated the job because I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be in the university. I wanted to be doing some research in the lab or learning something. But I said, you know what? Communication skills are very critical and I'm learning that. So I had a downside to it, but the motivation or the grit, I call it, really helped me. And thanks to that, I had a doctor who was like an uncle and a mentor to me. He was an Indian doctor from Ohio. He really motivated. In fact, he said, hey, if you need some money or something, if you cannot survive there, no problem. Come, you can stay with me and live with me in Ohio and try to figure out something here in Cleveland, Ohio. So that was one of the other pieces of it, almost like the support and the mentoring to go back and keep me going, putting the fuel
0: for the fire and the hunger be solved. That's awesome. You know, I think it's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I, so I hear you say, I see this place as a land of opportunity. Let me just get my foot in the door. And it, you hit these challenges. And in the South, we do have our own dialect. And exactly. uh, I'm sure that's even more difficult. And you get these challenges but I love the fact that you didn't give up. And many times I think we have this dream or goal that we're going for and we think it's supposed to be easy. And, it, and it's really not, right? It's like you plant the seed. <clears throat> I'll go out there and plant some seed. There's some time that it takes in order for that seed to grow. And, and, and sometimes we don't see the fruit of that growth. And that's what you were going through, right? You, you yes, were going through yes. that, that seasoning part right there. But you said you were making $2.54 at the Mexican restaurant. Now you've got over 135, 136 companies you work with and, and you charge a premium. Like you, you, yes. you're, you're one of the top, top levels, top coaching businesses in, in the country. Like you're, you're the real deal, yes. right? Like, yes, definitely. I just think that is an amazing, amazing thing. And there, there's tons of lessons that are, that are right there. Um, I, go Corey, I it. want to add one more point in that. So when I was working on my master's,
1: I came for industrial engineering. And this was year 1990. People who remember 1990, basically, it was, again, a recession year like 2009 and 2010. Jobs were very, very difficult to come by. And there, you had to type a letter and type your resume and send because we didn't have computers, we didn't have internet. And a job for an industrial engineer was very, very difficult. So just to go back and give you an idea, I had to send 750 resumes before I got my first job. So just to give you an idea of that. And I thought I was not good in what I'm doing. And I went to the librarian. And I said, hey, I really want to see what I'm doing wrong. And he said, see the section there? Those are all the books on resume writing and job hunting. They were 27 books. And I devoured all 27 books in 15 days. Because I said, I need to figure out if I'm missing something. So for a lot of people, 750 resumes is not even imaginable. Especially, see, today in an internet, you can attach, click, attach, click, and it is much faster. There, I had to take a Xerox or type it and send it. and that is where I would say, I said, you know what? All of this is testing. I am really learning and growing. Let me do that piece of it. And he said, you are the only guy in the whole history that who has read all the 27 books. And guess what? I went to so many interviews after that. And I can ace any interview today, even today. I'm not in the job market for the last 15 years. But I can ace an interview. Because I became so good at it when I got out. Both my kids, by the time they graduated college, they had between four and five offers out of college because they developed that, they were willing to learn, and they had a lot of skill. I used to have a lot of interviews with them. They said, Dad, of all the interviews, your interview was the toughest. I said, yes, that is the reason why I want you to be trained. Then after that, everything becomes a piece of cake. So I just wanted to share that piece of it because people don't really understand, especially the generation today. They are After sending 15 resumes, they think they have done a lot of this. And that is only clicking a button, so this is for that. But I just wanted to make sure I shared that piece of information.
0: Totally agree with you. We, we, you know, that that commercial with the easy button. They like to hit the. We like that easy button right now. So, um, there's Roger. Question I've got for you is so say there's somebody out there listening and maybe they're not, maybe they're not in a leadership role, maybe not an entrepreneur or whatever, but, but they're struggling with that mindset piece of, okay, I'm listening these three guys. There's three guys on here and they're talking about opportunity. Well, I'm not, I'm seeing nothing but challenges. That's all I see. And yes. do you have any little piece of information or a teaching or any kind of advice for somebody to, how to make that shift from seeing nothing but challenges to making, I see opportunities. Like, How do I make that shift? So I can share one of my experiences because I do
1: a lot of one-on-one coaching as well. So basically, I'm, I'm not going to give you the name of the person, but everybody comes with a challenge. But if you really look at it, they really don't know what is the goal they're trying to accomplish. The lack of clarity in the goal, the lack of clarity around what they want is the first step towards confusion. If people, the first step for anybody who has a challenge, put the challenge aside, take two hours and reflect and say, what exactly do I want? So people talk about smart goals, right? S-M-A-R-T. So if they can take their ideas and brainstorm, come up with one goal, whatever they really like. Smart, I'll just go back and tell you. S is being very, very specific. M stands for measurable. A, achievable. R is relevant for you, and T is for time bound. If you have a goal meeting those five criteria, you have a very good goal. And now you go back and say, it is not a challenge or a problem, but what is that I need to do to get to that goal? So now you're almost like talking about mini obstacles. I need to learn this to do this. I need to cross this to do this. So if you're taking a vacation, if you're traveling, if you don't know the destination, you can never go to a vacation, right? The first thing for you to do is determining for a vacation is where do you want to go? And you need to be very specific. Once you identify that, everything falls in place. Hey, do I want to drive? Do I want to fly? Do I want to take a train? Do I want to do? All of these things are options once you know what your goal is, what is your destination for vacation. But a lot of people don't have clarity about the vacation and they're talking and debating about a plane versus a car. And this cost me that. And that is where I see 70 to 80% of the frustration for people comes, and that becomes a challenge. If they can just take some time to go back and get clarity around one goal, two goals, and then say, now, how do I need to get it? The whole mindset changes. And it's easy to get people to help you is if somebody comes to me and say, Raj, I'm trying to get this promotion next year. I'm very, very easy. That is a smart goal. There's specific about it. Then I can go back and say, hey, do you first do your inventory? Do you have these skills or not? Okay, great, you have the skills. Do you have the experience? On okay, you don't have any experience. How do you get that experience? You have 12 minutes. And as soon as you look at it, the challenge becomes an opportunity for you and you have a roadmap to go there. That is what I would advise a lot of people who are thinking about challenges. And some people might have regarding health and stuff and things like that. Those have to be addressed very simply. But 90, 80 to 90% are things because they don't have clarity about what they want.
0: Oh, got you on mute there, Logan.
2: Uh, several things I want to just kind of tack on to that, um, that I love. One, it seems like every single thing that we talk about, the common thread that we come back to is lack of clarity and lack of vision. Um, and when you, when you have those and you have your why and your purpose, uh, success in, in terms of... Uh, beating the obstacles becomes really just a byproduct of having that clarity, uh, of vision. Um, uh, the Bible says, uh, for lack of vision, the people perish. And, um, you know, if, if you don't stop and set that vision, you know, whether it's a vision for your business or for your life in general, um, you know, some people, the vision is not going to be to be the wealthiest person in, in the world. So they don't necessarily need to climb the corporate ladder and, and have a high stress job or whatever it is to be the best mom in the world. If that's their, if that's their vision, then the action steps that they're going to take uh, need to map with, with the vision and, and the goal. Um, there's a phenomenal uh, book uh, called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. Um, if you're a reader, you've probably heard of it. You may have, may have read it, but I just highly encourage people that it's a, super, super short, uh, audible book. It's like two and a half hours. Um, I just really encourage anybody to read that and then take action. Um, again, he's got similar success stories to what you talk about Raj. I mean, he, he said that he's never had a company that implemented his vivid vision process that did not double in, in three years. Um, so incredible. Um, there was one other thing I was gonna uh, gonna tag onto, and I don't remember what it what it was now. So if I remember, I'll, I'll oh I know what it was. Um, many things you you kind of talked about. You end up checking things off along the way when you have that big long term vision. And and what I kind of what I kind of look at on a large scale is somebody like Elon Musk, right? He if he wants to go to Mars, there are a lot of really incredible achievements and innovations and wealth and different things that are going to come his way. He's going to have those accolades, but it's because he has clarity of that long-term vision. Those other success metrics along the way, they're just byproducts of the person that he has to become to be able to achieve the long-term vision. So oftentimes you look at a CEO and you think they've got it all figured out. How did they do all that? Well, it's because they were focused on the right perspective that was out into the future and they became the type of person along the way that these other things had to happen for them to get to their long-term goal. If you're going to be a billionaire, you have to be a millionaire first. Exactly. Um, you know, if you're if you're going to be, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, then you have to be a really good high school and then college or maybe you skip college. You've got to be a really good basketball player along the way. Um, So I think that's that's something that people don't realize a lot of times they think that somebody just skipped right to the end. And that's not the case. Um, You know, generally, that person had very good clarity, a very good why and a good purpose. Uh, And then all these things that happened along the way were just a byproduct of who they became.
1: very very well said Logan I really appreciate that can you repeat the name of the book again because I really want to go back and get the name and the author
2: it is uh, it is vivid vision it looks okay. like this
1: okay who is the author
2: and it's writ- written Cameron. by Cameron Harold um, there's a uh, Raj I'll be I'll be happy to share it with Corey or, or, and email it to you later there's a wonderful podcast Um it's about 45 minutes where he's interviewed and I actually found it even better than the book. Um, but after I heard about it from the podcast, I went and listened to the book as well, or actually read the book. Um, but it is, uh, bigger pockets. If you're familiar with them, real estate podcast, uh, and they, they interviewed him, uh, and I'll be happy to to send that to you. It's about 45 minutes, but it's, it's wonderful. And he's, uh, he, he works specifically with COOs of companies. Um, because there are a lot of CEO trainings out there, but oftentimes the COO kind of gets left out. So um, anyway, I think you would find that fascinating. Um, um, and I think you'd really, really love the, the vivid vision process.
1: No, no, I would love it because I'm a big fan of reading. So a lot mm-hmm. of people pride in how big of a TV they have. Right. I pride in the size of my library. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, on an average, I'm reading between 40 and 50 books every day. So I love to be because one of the things I always tell people is I'm in the business of helping my customers. So if I am not, and this is one thing I want everybody, even the listeners to think about, learn, unlearn and relearn. So to your point, Logan, you're talking about the CEOs, right? So moving from 1 million to $1 billion, that is the systematic way. They're constantly learning. They're unlearning and relearning. Because the way you run a $1 million business is very different than running a $10 million business versus a $100 million. And there are less than 15% of the people who can take and scale a company from $1 million to $1 billion. That is the reason why. Learn, unlearn, and relearn. If they can do those three yes. things consistently, depending on the business, it becomes very easy for them.
2: Yes, I, I love that. Um, one of my favorite things to kind of think through and and talk about is and things I'm looking for when I'm hiring people is I want to know what their learning speed is and what their aptitude or their ceiling is. Uh, and that aptitude and that ceiling can change based on how fast they can learn. Um, something that Corey and I talk about a lot is, um, kind of business, the guy that takes you from zero to a million, that, that, that person is a creator. Um, they are a different person oftentimes than someone that scales the business. Uh, yes. The guy that takes you from 1 million to five is not the guy that takes you from five to 50. And the guy that takes you from five to 50 is not the guy that goes to a billion. Yes. But just because that person is different, doesn't mean it has to be a different person. You can grow into the person that yes. has that skill set, uh, But oftentimes like you said, or most of the time, like you said, I've never heard the 15% number. Most of the time, it is, it, that's when a company or a board says, We need a different CEO now because we have to operate the business a different way. Um, as, a, as a person in life in general, or if you're running a company or a business or whatever it is, the awareness, I think, oftentimes to know, I need to make a switch now is where yes. people are, are missing it. They don't, and that's where they benefit so much from a coach like yourself or like Corey. To be yes. able to have a, a higher altitude view to say it's time to make the shift, because people can make the shift, yes, but they don't if they get stuck working in the business and not on the business from the right altitude. That's where people like yourself add so much value.
1: And that is every single day. I'm working with my CEOs and senior leaders. We are constantly evaluating that. So all my customers, they have a complete annual process. So in the month of September, one of the biggest initiatives is, where is the company going for the next three to five years? And who are all my talent? Who are my top 20? Like you said, who's got the aptitude, has not reached their ceiling? And what do we need to do to help them to get to the next level? So every year, September, all of my customers go through that piece of it. At least they do it for their top 20, 30 leaders or whoever, depending on the size. But every year, that becomes a practice.
2: Well, I love that. Uh, you'll find from reading vivid vision that he does things on a three year schedule, uh, because he, he says that three years is, uh, far enough out where it's big picture and it's an audacious goal, but it's close enough to be reasonably tangible and not feel unrealistic. Um, and people want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And if you can give them that vision and they can feel that it is achievable, um, you'll create a culture where people want to come in and build that for you. People want to be helpful, like you said earlier, uh, yes. but, but you have to have clarity on what you're building uh, to get people to help you build it the right way.
1: I mean, that was Jack Welch, the CEO for GE. Mm. And that mm-hmm. was what he did. He did such an outstanding job for 20 years. I mean, I'm such a big fan of that. Whoever is an entrepreneur should read a few of his books. Any book by Jack Welch, don't worry, just read it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just, just put it in your Amazon cart and get it.
0: Exactly, exactly. That is what I tell people. Hey, Raj, you, you, you were there. Did, did you work under his leadership during that time? or? So I, went, I was not a higher up to go directly report to him,
1: but I was fortunate enough to win three different awards from him. So basically, winning an award and receiving it from Jack is a big, big privilege. Yeah. So I was very fortunate that I had the opportunity three times.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to go back to I love something that Logan, you 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 brought up the learn, unlearn, relearn. I think that is so important and something that Logan said I I, I love was the same person that gets you from one to five isn't the same person that gets you from five to ten. And it may not be the same exact person, but it may be the same person right? Physical person, and it may not be, but are they willing to, to learn, unlearn, and relearn? I, I want to ask you, Raj, I, I see sometimes leaders, they, they get the growth part, like I want to learn, right? I, I, I get that. Um, but the unlearn part, sometimes they have a hard time catching that. Why do you feel like, or any thoughts on why that is important, the unlearning part of the learn, unlearn, relearn? So if you look at it, I'll take an
1: example of a coffee cup. After a certain time, if you want to add fresh coffee, that has to be thrown out what is there in the cup, right? So our human brains are also, people think that we have infinite capacity. Yes, we do have infinite capacity, but your dominant thoughts are always something which you are very, very strong and you built over the times. So if you want to make space for new things, you need to unlearn and move some of these things out, like cleaning up your coffee cup. And that is the unlearned piece comes very important. So I'm in my own business. My own business model is I'm a trainer, coach, consultant as well. So I have gone to 28 different countries, taken the leadership team, and they sit through four and a half days of leadership training. So I sit with them in the meetings. I have been doing that from 2008 to twenty twenty. Guess what? If I would have stuck to that, what would have my business been in 20 and 21? Zero, right? Especially 20, I can't fly anywhere. I can't do anything. And that is what I had to unlearn and go back and say. So I redesigned all of my programs. And I said, how can I make it Zoom friendly? And totally restructured the training program, approach to the people, everything else. I still served my customers in China. I still served my customers in Dubai everybody else, but it was completely different. So how I delivered, the delivery method was different, and my whole unlearning was, man, I can't make them sit on a Zoom call for eight hours. In person, I could do that, but in Zoom, I can't do that. So I had to go back and do it in chunks of 90 minutes or two hours. And I learned some best practices through that. But if I did not do the unlearning pace, my business would have not seen the growth I have seen. I have seen both the years over 60% growth. I'm very proud to say that my single business, a small business, has grown so much. But the
0: unlearning piece was the key for me. Love that. And you said it spot on, right? You said it spot on. I love the, the coffee analogy there because you're, you're right. Um, you, you mentioned uh, when you were in India, you read a book by Lee Iacocat. What was it that spoke to you in the book? What about him jumped out to you? So basically, his father was a railroad
1: conductor. So in my opinion, at least from an Indian point of view that time, that was a low-paying job. Yeah. So when somebody from that kind of a level could become the CEO for the number one automotive company in the country, and from there go back and take a downridden company in losses and make it number one, and somebody who could negotiate with the government for, I think, I don't remember the number, but it was like $6 billion or something like that, a huge amount. I don't remember the exact number, but huge amount of money negotiating with the government and really pitching that. And I said, if somebody from that kind of a humble beginning can do it, I can at least do 10x better than what I'm doing. That was my thought process.
0: I love that. We, we talked to a guy the other day, and he was talking about... <clears throat> his story was he got he got caught up in drugs and how that was a way of life for him and those kind of things. And he finally got out of it and he's got a ministry called a way out. And his his whole premise is, if I've done it, you can do it too, right? And oh, okay. You know, and, that, and I think that is incredible, exactly what you said. And that was your mindset. Well, if he can do it, I can at least 10X, you know, what, yes. what I'm doing. Yeah. No, it's very powerful. And I want to go back and address one more point for me
1: learning or a clarification point for what Logan was talking about. See, if you go back and look at the same person for 1 million to 5 million, I would go back and say it is the mindset. If you have the same mindset, you cannot do that. If you change your mindset, it doesn't matter. So if it is not the person, but are these people unlearning and changing their mindset as the company is going? That becomes the critical piece And that's the reason why people don't understand. They think it is more of a soft, mumbo-jumbo thing about mindset, but it is very powerful. If you don't understand the mindset, I tell people is first understand that. And what I tell people is everybody, when I say, who do you communicate the most, they go back and talk about is I communicate with my best friend or my business partner, my spouse or something. But they forget they are communicating with themselves 100 times more than they're talking to somebody external. In my mind, between my heart and my mind, there are at least, depending on different studies you look, there are at least eight to 10,000 ideas going through your mind every single day. You might not remember any of those things. So if your mindset is on the wrong path, you are sending so many negative vibrations to you. And the way I always believe is if you live in a negative vibration, that will manifest in your life. If you have positive vibration, that will manifest. So manifestation happens. It is what you're talking to yourself. It is not what I'm talking to Corey or what I'm telling Logan or somebody else. It is what are you talking to yourself? That mindset and that self communication piece of it. If they can handle that, it really helps them to go back and make a change in their lives.
2: Hundred percent agree. I mean, your thoughts are going to ultimately turn into your actions.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Napoleon Hill in his 1934 book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about that. And all the entrepreneurs, I recommend and tell them, hey, read that book. Everybody thinks Think and Grow Rich about money-making scheme. No, it is mindset. It is about your attitude. It is how you look at life. Very, very powerful.
2: That's Corey's favorite book.
1: Oh, perfect. Perfect.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When I started doing uh, coaching with Corey, that's the first book that he had me read.
1: Yes. So the first time I read that was 1983 after Lee Ikoska's book. And I still have the book on my shelf from that, highlighted in red, then highlighted in green, then highlighted in blue. Because the it, awareness such of a, it is
2: It's such a timeless book that you probably have more respect for the truth that's contained on those pages now than you did the first and second and third time that you read it.
1: i to that. Yes, Logan, 100 percent
0: Raza, uh, you're a reader. I'd love to hear what you're learning right now. What are you reading right now? So one of the biggest thing I'm doing right now,
1: there is a new book by Liz wizardman It's called Impact Players. This is basically the gist of it is how to bring out the best in people. She wrote a book called Multipliers a few years ago. I was a big fan of that. How, as a leader, how can you help your team multiply and make them much better? That is the gist of that book. And she came up with this book a few months ago. And that is my focus right now. Because this year, one of the goals for me is to work with at least 100 of my high potentials within my customer group. And I really want them to become 2x for 2023. So I'm always there learning and unlearning. And then I can go back and support them in their unlearning
0: and change. I love the title of that, Impact Players. That's what I'm talking
1: about.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. So just to right. give you
1: an idea, just to give you an idea, one of my customers he loved it so much after the discussion in December, he ordered 150 copies for his team. Wow. 150 copies.
0: Wow! How about that? Uh,
2: you mentioned earlier um, the things that you focus on are, are um, people, process, and strategy. Um, yes. When you take on a, a new client, what do you what do you address first?
1: So the biggest part of it is I spend a couple of hours understanding where they are and what is their biggest need. Because you can start any of those three independent of each other or together as well. So most of the time, ideally I would like to go back and evaluate the leadership team because I really want to know the leadership mindset, where they are. And I have some very, very powerful psychometric assessments. I use a lot of psychometric assessments, very, very powerful been built over the last 48 years. So I work with the leadership team to understand. It can be any problem they have. I will fix that piece of it. But my leadership assessment, without calling it a leadership assessment, I go back and work on that. And then based on what comes out of it, I start helping them and prioritize things. Because if I don't have the right leadership place, and if they don't have the right thinking behind that, it doesn't matter what I do. I can go back and put bandages around the wounds but that will not solve. So I almost take a holistic approach of trying to understand the big picture and then take it one. And one of the biggest reasons why my customers like and they stay with me for years together is because of that. And now, frankly speaking, I'm at a position where if it is a bandage, I tell them, you know what, I can recommend somebody else work with them because they're not really looking at it. And I know I can make a small difference, but really I'm not fixing the problem. 10 years ago, I would have been in a different mindset, but today, that is what I tell them. In fact, I told somebody and they were not willing to do it, I said, fine. We can always be friends. We can always be potential and talk in the future, but I would recommend for you to work with so-and-so person and see if they can help you with this. But very, very very powerful question.
2: Yep, your time is finite and and you wanna work with people where you are one of the impact players for them. And if people don't Basically, want to take the advice, then you're not an impact player.
1: <laughs> and Logan, not only that, it is not beneficial for them ben from the long run. Right, right. So it is not about me, also. I'm going to go back and say, three months down the road, the problem is fixed, but you have 10 other fires happening as well. So you're not going to see the value of this when you have 10 other fires. You're jumping one fun fire to the other. And that is what I try to explain. So, I had a big discussion in the first week of December with a potential client, and he was really upset with me that I was not planning to do that because I came highly recommended through his friend. I said, that is the reason why he recommended because they took that kind of approach. And he has been my customer for six years.
2: <laughs> Corey, and I, Corey and I talk about um, how culture both internally and then externally in relationships with customers and also vendor partners, um, it doesn't need to be necessarily attractive. It needs to be magnetic where it attracts the right people, but it also repels the wrong people. And that's exactly what you're saying is that you want to repel the wrong clients and only attract the right clients uh, and work with the, the, the perfect partners.
1: Yeah, very well said, Logan. That is exactly what we are trying to do. And you know where I got that concept from? There was a book. Uh, there was a company, a telephone company, before it merged with AT and T. I'm trying to think of the name of it. There were three big players, right? Sprint and there was one other. Time Warner. Not Time Warner. Basically, it was strictly a telecom company, telephone company. Okay. And it got so merged. I don't remember the name, but okay. there was a guy who did a research on that and wrote a book called How to Fire Your Customers. That was very impressive. And I'm talking this not now, maybe it was in late 90s or early 2000s, mm-hmm. somewhere in that mm-hmm. time frame. But I remember the title and I remember some of the points. And as I'm growing a business, that is always in the back of me. I'm not firing, but I'm not even taking that. And to your point, there are some customers I have not renewed, though they want to work with me. I said, you know what? I want to move on. I recommended somebody else to work with them, and I tell them this, but I move on.
2: Very similar to, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Mike uh Profit First, the pumpkin yes. plan. Yes, uh, that's, yes. that's yes. the pumpkin plan. That's, yeah. Exactly. And it's very difficult to do, but it works. Um, yes. it's, uh, I don't know if you listen to Jocko Willink's podcast called Jocko podcast, but he, he, he talks about simple, not easy. And there are a yes. lot of principles that are simple and highly effective, but they're not easy to do because it's not easy yes. to, to tell a customer. Oftentimes you're not the right customer anymore. Um, you know, we, we run into that with, uh, with hotels and with, with landscape, you know, Hey, when we were a small company with less overhead, it was easy to take care of this yard, but now we can't afford to do that for you. There is someone else that is now yes. going to serve your needs better. Uh, exactly. And it's all about how you, how you frame it.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely you never want to be rude about it or anything like that. You need right. to be very, very empathetic right. about it and put it in the right frame. Yeah. And not only that you're showing them a solution where it's a good match for
0: somebody else and them, Well, Raj, um, just curious for anybody that may be listening and saying, you know what, I, I really would like to check in with Raj to see if we would be a good fit. How would somebody get in touch with you? What would be the best way for them to reach out to you? So just to go back and tell you, there is a lot of uh, revamping of my
1: website and everything else. The best thing I would go back and tell them is vrt 9com Just send an email. I'm very, very comfortable with it. And if they're listening to it after, let us say, February 1st, they can go to
0: www.vrt9.com. Okay. All right. Good stuff. So that sure. was Raj at vrt.com uh, for the VRT 9, number 9. 9.9. Nine. Okay. Gotcha. Well, Raj at vrt9.com. We'll put that in the the links in the show notes as well. And you guys can just click on that, reach out to Raj if something he said really connected with you. Like I'd really like to like to just talk with him uh, to see if maybe my team's a good fit for him or maybe he can serve and add value to our team that, you know, just reach out to and see if that would be uh, add value. I love it.
1: Most of the small businesses, what I always tell them is, Join me for a one-hour complimentary coaching session, and it is not me selling the product. I spend forty-five minutes trying to understand and dissect their business to provide insight. So every single person, either they become my customer or not, it doesn't matter. But they will learn something about their business before they leave that one hour.
0: Yeah.
1: So that I promise to all of them. Good it stuff. doesn't matter who it is.
0: Raj, you have definitely added a ton of value today. Uh, you've got tons of information. I, I, and I, I've, I love your story. I love what you're doing. You're making an impact, a global impact is what you're doing. You talked about companies from China and Dubai and even here in America doing great things. And uh, even the success of those companies, I think about that when I hear that. That's when they're making that kind of impact, the, the reach is so far, but even internally, when you're impacting those kind of people, that's generational, you know, uh, kids are going to feel that uh, grandkids yes. may even feel that, you know, and I, I think that's amazing. So yeah, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you adding value to us. And if you're listening, if Raj said anything that stood out to you, feel free to comment. We would love to send that along to him, or if you have questions for him, um, we'll send that, pass that along to him as well. And, uh, hope this has added value to you guys today. Make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date on any of our new episodes. You guys have a great day and God bless.
2: Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life?